Thank you for tuning in to Turtle Talks with the Garden Crew. Happy Dancing Turtles bi-monthly podcast that focuses on gardening, nature, soil health, and anything else that falls under sustainable practices. This week, we welcomed Michelle Hose and Nora Woodworth, who work in the sustainability and stewardship branch of HDT. Their work with children in nature made them great speakers on the topic of children in nature. We talk on the importance of unstructured outdoor playtime, what the benefits are, and organizations that can help if you're looking for tips. So thanks for tuning in. It's going to be a great episode. Thank you for turning into this episode of Turtle Talks with the Garden Crew. Uh, my name is Colin McLean. Joining me today is Allison, who is the lone rep from the Garden Crew today. But that's Hi. okay. Yep, that's okay. here I am. <laughs> yep. But we have a special guest here today. From there, the other side of the whole building here, we have Michelle and Nora. <clears throat> They're with the Stewardship and Sustainability Program, and um, uh, they are taking time out of their very busy schedule. We're ramping up to back to basics which is coming up in a couple of weeks now, and it's our big annual event, um, which is occurring February 2nd, 2019, up here in Pine River, back as high school. If you want uh, more information, you can go find it at happydancingturtle.org. But the real reason they're here is they uh, have a passion. Their, their work is education, working with children. And the topic we wanted to talk about was kids in nature. First off, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Michelle Hopes. I am the program assistant here in the Stewardship and Sustainability Office of Happy Dancing Turtle. I'm Nora Woodworth. I'm the program specialist in the same office as Michelle, only I recently moved down to the Driftless area um, in Wisconsin and Minnesota. You can follow Nora on Facebook at Happy Dancing Turtle hyphen Driftless region, I believe. She's got her own Facebook page and mm -hmm. she's uh, doing some really fun and wonderful things down there. So if you're interested in what Nora's doing, tune in. Yeah, I'll put a link for uh, Nora's work that she does down in the Driftless region, which is where it's the Winona uh, Lacrosse area. Yeah, yeah, so it's down in southeastern Minnesota and then kind of west central Wisconsin. So Yeah, the stuff that she's doing down there is, is absolutely, um, it's amazing uh, with just the one person uh, as the point down there, and, and I see, we see pictures, we see updates, and kids are showing up. Uh, it seems like you are spreading the gospel of, of nature, of outdoors. How important is that? I mean, if we want to delve right into it, well, let's remember. Are we delving right into it? <laughs> we can delve right into it. I mean, if, you, if we remember when we were kids, right, we, we didn't have phones. We didn't have, you know... Game Boys, maybe if we were lucky. I mean, we're that we're young enough to mm -hmm. have Game Boys, but computers were a thing of the they computers were, were part they, of the they future. In, they, they weren't, weren't in yeah. the home. Yeah, they, they weren't were in the school, home. Not not and, not and, nearly as in in, in in every aspect of our society. There's a screen now. And there is a correlation, would you guys say, that the increase of electronics, computers, social networking, social media, screen time, uh, screen time in general kids are going less and less outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they say nowadays there's been a lot of research on exactly how much time kids are spending outdoors versus on their screens. Um, so the average for kids, and they call it unstructured play outside, so that means they're not, like soccer practice and organized sports is not counted in that time. But the average amount of time kids spend outside is four to seven minutes in unstructured outdoor play a day. 
Seven minutes max is what you're saying. Yep, on average. Wow. Yet screen time for kids is skyrocketing through the roof, going up every year. They say for eight to ten year olds now, on average, spend about seven hours on a screen every day. So seven hours on a screen, seven minutes outside. That includes Ooh. cell phones, iPads, yes, TV, computers. computers. Yep, it's everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And that includes time they spend on a screen at school, which I'm. We wouldn't discount that as an educational tool, but it still counts. It does. Mm -hmm. So I mean, then we can segue into well, why is it important? Why? Why do you? I mean, you guys. <clears throat> You work with children every week. I mean, and in the summer we have camps that are structured around enlightening the children towards the, the fun of outdoors and, and, and how important it is to have that in their lives. Now we're, we're looking at the outdoors versus indoors. I mean, we can, I guess we can put this debate that way. Indoors is where you're gonna find a lot of your, your tablets, your phones, computers. Do you think that with the rise of computers and tablets and phones, uh, being so readily available, do you think that's a direct contribution to kids? Well, not going outside, not choosing to go outside, or maybe look into it further, parents deciding to, to not push their kids outside, to not mm -hmm. force them to go outside. Um, yeah, I think screens are a huge part of the reason why kids are not playing outside. Just like you were mentioning before, we didn't have all these things when we were kids. There was nothing else to do but go outside. I know Michelle's mentioned that her mom used to lock her out of the house. My mom literally locked the door yeah. and we could not come in unless there was blood. Yeah. Find something to do outside. Right. Yeah. 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 My mom used to do the same thing. You yeah. Know? yeah. She'd open the door at dinner time and yep. we were My, my dad whistled us home for dinner. We would pack a backpack with snacks and a little first aid kit and and we're gone. part and of that was they wanted us out of the house. You know, oh, yeah. There weren't screens to entertain us. So mm -hmm. you're like pulling on mom's leg and mm -hmm. nagging and you want to do this and that and the other thing. And they're like, just go outside. <laughs> but now we're like, Leave just alone. turn on Netflix. Just mm -hmm. yeah. watch a show. Just pull up YouTube. Do, you know, just yeah. give me five minutes. And mm -hmm. that has totally changed about how kids do that. Well, right. I know that's the thing, though. There's if you were to describe this to, well, I know my children and your children of not having any screens, not having a computer, iPad, it would be a, a horror story. Right. They, they couldn't comprehend it because right. this, yeah. these kids have never known life without those screens. I mean, I was 21 before I got my first cell phone and it was the big old school Nokia. You know, I could maybe Indestructible. play Snake. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. But I mean, my kids can do anything on their iPads, iPods and iPads and now that we never even dreamt of well, and back then. I feel like there's always a lot of talk about kids on screens, but research shows that adults also are spending more and more time on screen. So on average, the adult is spending nine hours on their screen, and that's time that we're taking away from kids of giving them those meaningful interactions or doing something with them outside. I mean, it's the parents, too, that are on mm -hmm. screens, and they're learning those habits from mm -hmm. They're setting adults. that example. Right, Definitely. we're all setting that example when we do that, when we check our phones during dinner or, can you I, know, Can I tell a Facebook. story mm -hmm. about that? Yeah. With my, um, my youngest daughter, I don't remember how old she was at the time, like two? I don't think she was, she couldn't have been three yet, and I don't remember what I was doing on my phone, but I was doing something on my phone. Um, and she kept trying to take it away from me and I, you know, kept pulling it out of her range and saying, no, you can't have mommy's phone. Well, she went in the other room and she brought me back a stack of books. <laughs> and she put the books in my lap 
And I went, okay, great. I'm going to read. Like, she wants me to read. Fine, I'll read. I put my phone down. I picked up the books. She picked up my phone and ran away. (laughs) Smart kid. So that was her wanting to copy me. And um, boy, did I take a look at my phone habits after that. But um, I think I took the phone back and sat down and read to her because, like, well, you brought me books, let's read. So, um, but yeah, that's they're, they're they're little sponges and little copycats, and that's what they want to do. They want to be like us. There's definitely there is there's tons of digital content out there, whether it's educational, whether it's not educational, <laughs> yes. it's everywhere, it's and it insane. and and. I know as an adult, I see that, oh my gosh, I've fallen behind. Um, and there's that pressure just on the adult side. And to key out of that, just like, wait a minute, there is zero, it, nobody is pressuring us to watch this content mm-hmm. except, except us, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make that mental choice to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. I mean, if, if we're adults, I put my quotation marks here you know we're old anyway you know uh imagine how hard it is for a child right when when it when it is when they are these 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 games or or programs are geared into stimulating those minds you know well and it's starting at such a young age where they're trying to develop those kind of self-control habits or being able to feel the feelings understand the feelings understand how to react to process and all process of them. them. Um, mm-hmm. When you're little, your feelings are big. Right. Mm-hmm. So and taking that screen away is like an automatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Explosion of a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but giving that screen to an emotional child is just masking and interrupting all of that learning that's supposed to be going on. this word that I came across doing research. Maybe you guys can help me understand it a little better. Uh, biophilia, am I saying that right? Uh, and I understand it that the, as there is a, a, a need in everybody to be in nature, drawn towards the outdoors. Is that all it is or is there something more to it? Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. I, I would describe it as kind of an innate tendency that you're drawn and you want to have these connections with nature or or living things in general you know whether that's plants or animals or whatever it is in nature I mean if you really want to get into like the Latin breakdown of it (laughs) bio would be life and philia would be love so so the love of life that's that's perfect then (laughs) I mean but so so if we're if everyone's drawn toward has an innate need for that what's what benefits do you think people achieve when they get outside, when they, when they decide to 
make that big choice and say, I want to do something away from, you know, the indoor culture, indoor, what am I saying? When you just don't want to be inside anymore. What, what are the benefits of that besides sunburn and mosquito bites? <laughs> Those are the benefits. <laughs> Those are side effects of not preparing. Yes, <laughs> side effects of not preparing. I love it. That's exactly what that is. Um, but I think yeah. in like the last 10 to 20 years especially, there's been an incredible amount of research on all the benefits of spending time in nature or green space. I mean, even if it's not, you know, you're not out in the wilderness, but even at your local park, any amount of green space, um, there's tons of research that talk about the benefits anything from physical health benefits to emotional health mental health um, and a lot of academic benefits for children and adults as well I think ones that we're hearing a lot about especially lately Michelle Obama had her big campaign called let's move to end childhood obesity um, all that screen time is leading to huge increases in sedentary time in kids they're not moving and we know Anybody who works in an office, I feel like, knows that that sitting time is bad for our bodies, but it's bad for kids, too. Um, so childhood obesity rates are the highest they've ever been in this country, and a lot of that is linked to that screen time or sedentary time and kids not getting outside. I know there's, well, Sweden and Scotland both mm-hmm. have essentially a, an outdoor or physical activity prescription program. Doctors basically prescribing outdoor outdoor time to their patients um, for a variety of, of reasons and word. It makes sense. You move your body, you stretch your muscles, you work your muscles, whether it's your brain, whether it's your... Imagination? Yeah, your imagi- when you flex your imagination, <laughs> yeah. it's going to get better. You're going to get yeah. the dopamine. You're going to get the, you know, the rush of, of, of strenuously using your muscles. It's not unheard of to say that if you go outside, you, you, you play, you, you move, right? I yeah. mean, so... Well, and there's yeah. tons of studies, yeah. again, that are linking that outdoor time or walks, even like if, if you work in an office taking a 15-minute break to walk outside, um, people come back and they're happier, they're more positive. They're there's more focused. More focused. They're, it shows it reduces anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. and it increases creativity, which is super cool. So they actually did this very elaborate experiment experiment and they had problems that people had to solve and the control group you know stayed in this room the whole time and then the experimental group they let go outside and spent time in nature and then they proved that when they came back in from those walks in nature that they got a lot more creative in how they were solving those problems that were put in front of them so I mean the the benefits to it like I'm saying there's study after study after study and the list goes on and on and on so if you think of kids their their bodies are not meant to be still right they wiggle all the they time wiggle. they have to move they've got all this this energy and they're growing and they're developing well and then we expect them to go to school for six and a half hours and to to sit and still to sit. they get 20 minutes for recess and a half hour for gym to move but we expect kids whose bodies are not made to sit still to sit all day mm-hmm. and then then we wonder why we, why they're not doing well you know why schools are failing and test scores and have all these behavior issues Duh, yeah. I'm an adult, and I can't sit still for six hours and listen to somebody or work that whole time without getting up and moving. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of schools then, especially in, in Europe and other countries, unfortunately not as many here in the U.S., but they, they have a schedule that gives the kids 10 to 15 minutes outside for every hour of work that they do. 
and it may seem like they're not getting as much done, but they're actually getting more done because the kids, when they come in, are more focused. As they focus more, they're, sure. They're, they're focused. Yeah. They've, they've had that time. They've got that fresh air. Like you said, that dopamine is going. They're ready then to focus. Their brain is more engaged. I can't sit and listen to somebody talk at me for, <laughs> for very long and, and stay tuned in to mm -hmm. what they're saying. And to expect kids to do that, too, is right. probably another issue that's just going outside. But... Is it called Kids in Nature Network? What's yeah, it called? Children, children in Nature Network. Children in Nature Network. Um, that says if children can engage all of their five senses into one learning experience, then that helps them make that connection. I, the pathways in their brain are more likely to connect to each other. And so if they see a monarch butterfly and they smell the milkweed blossoms and they can feel um, the silkiness of the leaves of the milkweed plant and um, just all these things that relate to this one amazing pollinator, this monarch butterfly, then they're going to start to care about things like uh, roadside pollinator strips, uh, flowers that, that feed the, these pollinators as they either migrate or somewhere in their life cycle where they need plants and pollen and nectar. If they've never seen a monarch butterfly actually, you know, flitting around and looking for a milkweed, they're not going to care about that. Right. They're not going to care about pollinator strips. <laughs> I think that really ties into to, uh, David Sobel is big on place-based education. And mm. it's essentially what you're saying is, I mean, yeah, we can teach kids in a classroom, but if we can bring them outside and have them engaged on a local level about things they see or have the opportunity to see in their everyday life and relate what we need to teach them back to those things, mm -hmm. that's going to have 100% more of an impact than mm -hmm. reading it from a book or, mm -hmm. or watching it in a video. Watching it in a video. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, right. Right back um, to it. And I want to talk about empathy just for a moment. Like, you know... Um, We've been hearing that, that kids with their faces in their phones and, and, and their screens, they don't look into faces and they don't see their emotions mirrored on other people's faces. And that's not just a human interaction thing. That's interaction with animals. And like I said, the, the monarch and the milkweed, if you haven't looked at it and felt something, you're not going to have any, any empathy. Well, and there are studies on that, too, that have focused on social skill development in kids sure, and kids yeah. that spend time playing with other kids outside versus kids who are, like you're saying, just engaged in that screen and they're not interacting with others. And they're, it's kind of scary. They're showing it does impact social skill development. Even if it's through, say, like uh, instant chat or a multiplayer game, yeah. it's not the same it's connection. It's definitely not no. the same. I mean, so, so, I mean, so we notice, we're noticing that there's this trend. What can we do about it? Is, is there, I mean, besides throwing away our phones, 
<laughs> I love my phone. I love my phone. They're cool, right? But it's a tool and you got to make sure you use it the right way. Kids don't know that yet, no. obviously. So parents have the onus on them to teach them. Yes. But beyond that, do you have any no, tips? It's not just parents. They think it's the whole adult community, which is why I do what I do. I mean, I grew up, like I said, my parents locked me outside, and I grew up hiking and biking and camping, and I spend every free moment I can outside. And it's because I had adults in my life that, you know, led me down that path, and I spent years at summer camp, and I think that's so important for kids. So Rachel Carson was an environmentalist who wrote Silent Spring, which was a key book in starting the environmental movement. Um, and it was all about kind of the chemicals we're putting in the environment and the very scary effects that they can have that we perhaps didn't know about. But she also wrote one of my most favorite books that's called Sense of Wonder. And there's a quote from her in there that I really like. And she writes, If a child is to keep alive his inborn sense of wonder, he needs the companionship of at least one adult who can share it who he can share it with, rediscovering with him the joy, excitement, and mystery of the world we live in. Um, and I think that's crucial. We need, you know, it's not just give your kids a screen and they're good to go. It's going out there with them and enjoying it with them and being a motivating force for them, kind of sparking that inquiry in them of, of everything they see around them and let them get curious and let them ask questions. It's okay if you don't have the answer. I don't have the answer to most of the questions kids ask us in the woods. <laughs> but you and fake it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of the fun is like looking up the answer yeah. together and learning together and figuring it out. Mm. And it's better if people don't just tell them the answer and they have to mm. find it on their own. So I'd just like to share a story about um, spending some time with my niece and nephew and my older daughter this summer. Uh, we went to visit my brother who lives in Lake of the Woods County and there he has two older kids uh 11 or 12 and oh boy don't listen to this Emily and Will cuz I'm getting your ages wrong <laughs> um 12 and 10 and my older daughter was 9 and we went to a dragonfly society workshop out in the woods, in the bog, we drove all over this state forest looking for different types of habitat so that we could capture and observe different types of, of uh, dragonflies. So we've got our nets and our guidebooks and we're tromping through the woods and my 12-year-old niece says, well, I will catch a dragonfly, but I am not touching one. And in five minutes... She's holding a dragonfly by the wings that she caught in her net by all on her own. And the instructor showed us how to very carefully handle the creatures so that we didn't hurt them. So she's holding onto it and like she's got it right up to her face and she's got the biggest grin on her face. And so she did this, you know, teenage like, oh, icky, gross outside bugs, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but she loved it. And she was able to, you know, let go of that and give in to the fun and the excitement and the discovery. Um, there were a whole bunch of adults on that and a whole bunch of kids on that workshop who, if she had observed an adult going, ew, I'm not going to touch a bug, she probably would have fed that. But mm -hmm. all of us, we all just jumped in and the kids all just came along with us. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> Love it. So, I mean, that sounds like, that sounds like there is that biophilia. Mm, yes. Kids just want to yes. learn, explore. And 
Bugs are cool. Yeah, if you think about what like, little <laughs> kids are into, right. it's little bugs. kids, it's bugs and playing in the mud and jumping in puddles and maybe like poking a poop with a stick or something. I don't know if I can say that on the podcast. <laughs> yes. I um, but I think that's what Rachel Carson's quote is getting at too. Mm-hmm. It's like these little kids love all of that stuff and at some point our society has told them that like it's not okay to do those things and they shouldn't be doing them and that sense of wonder just dies at some point Mm -hmm. so we run a nature club after school like two days a month um, at the school here in Pine River our kids favorite thing to do in the spring and the summer there's we have a school force we have an awesome school force here at Pine River Backus Schools and they have um, frisbee golf set up or disc golf whatever it is (laughs) in the forest so there's a couple places where there's these big rubber mats where you throw your frisbee from. I don't know. I don't play it. The kids' favorite thing to do is to roll those mats back and find bugs. And they find millipedes and centipedes and slugs and pill bugs and worms. And they love it. <laughs> they We have one, one little girl that's been coming for years, and she is on, like, Bob number 18. Yeah. She finds she finds worms and she carries them with her throughout the forest and they're all Bob. She names all of them Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's unreal the joy. One little worm. One little worm. Yeah. made the jump you've, you've bought into everything that these guys have been saying <laughs> but it's not into... like this is like a pyramid scheme or something <laughs> or a marketing scam right or... no we put it a different way <laughs> so you've seen the light you think that this is something that you want your children to experience uh something to that, that you want them to be a part of um there are opportunities out there there has to be uh, programs, organizations that this is their mission. I know we have a couple programs. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about what else is out there to help people make that transition. Sure. Here at Happy Dancing Turtle, we offer um, a variety of different programs for different ages. Um, we have a program that meets once a month called Tiny Turtles um, for our four and five year olds, and they only meet for an hour and a half, but a portion of that time is always spent outdoors, regardless of the weather. We, they're little, so it takes a long time, but we, <laughs> we bundle up in the winter and we go outside and we look for tracks and we just let the kids explore and have that time outside. Um, we have, like I mentioned, our nature club um, that meets. We run that actually through Pine River Bacchus Community Education. So that meets about two days a month um, right after school for first through fourth graders. And again, we we do a little bit inside, but most of that time is spent um, outside. Like I said, they have that amazing school forest and a lot of resources available. Last week, we were able to use the school's snowshoes. So a lot of the kids got to experience that for the first time, which was really cool. Um, During the summer, we run eco camps here in Pine River. And Nora is also starting them down in the Driftless region as well this year. 
Um, and those, again, are for a variety of ages. We have a pre-K, four and five-year-old camp up through a fifth and sixth um, grade camp. And we spend a lot of time learning about um, different animals and habitats and ways to take care of them. Um, and then with that, a large portion of our time, again, is spent outside, mm -hmm. um, structured and unstructured. You know, we lead a lot of activities, but we also give them some yaya time to just be outside and do what they want to do. Unstructured. Unstructured. That's unstructured yaya play. is unstructured. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what yaya time is. Um, and then I think our, our last um, program that would apply to this topic would be our turtle trucks program. Um, we take three camping trips throughout the summer. And if you're listening from not in our area, there are other resources for you to use. I would suggest looking at nonprofits or um, camps in your area. But if you are looking for some online resources to use, Allison mentioned earlier the Children in Nature Network is a great one. And there's two other ones that we really like. One is called Mother Natured and there's another one called Wilder Child. They both have Facebook groups, so they're always posting. And Children in Nature no Network does too. Um, so they're always posting great ideas of things you can do outside or you can look up their websites. Uh, but if you're looking for a little more, I don't know, structured help, I guess, or a little some more support, or maybe you only want to try this for a short amount of time, um, there's a couple of cool things coming up in this spring. One would be Screen Free Week, which will be from April 29th to May 5th. And it challenges you to outside work or school, put down your phones, any devices, um, and go no screens for one whole week. And some of our staff did it last year. I thought it was awesome. I did it with my kids last year, and at first they fought it, and by the end when it was done, they were like, oh. Wasn't that bad. Yeah. Like, Turns that out there's like a fun. lot of fun things to do yeah. that doesn't involve an iPad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's screenfreeweek.org, but they also have tons of resources for ideas of things to do outside or um, just ideas that don't involve screens. So that's a good resource. And then also in May, we've participated as a campus before in the 30 by 30 challenge. Um, and that's hosted by the David Suzuki Foundation. So they challenge people for 30 days in May to spend 30 minutes outside every day. Doesn't matter what the weather is. There are ways you can prepare for the weather. Um, but that's a new, another really fun one, and they provide a lot of resources for you to help get you going and ideas of what you can do and things like that. Um, that was a fun one to do on campus. We kind of turned it into a little competition and broke up into teams, and the team with the most... It was really wasn't fair, though. Did I we mean... We split the garden crew up. <laughs> we did split the garden crew up. They're outside they all did, day. They did, get a lot of, <laughs> they did get a lot more time than the rest of us. But it was a fun, you know, we had a little prize for the winning team at the end, and it, That's was, right. it was fun to, you know, to challenge yourself to, to spend more time outside. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and the last one I think is worth mentioning is Minnesota State Parks actually have a really cool program called I Can Camp. Um, so if you're, if, you've, if you're a family that's never been camping or you don't have the camping materials, you can get them at a state park. You can rent them for fairly cheap so you don't have to feel like you need to go out and buy all of that stuff. Um, and they can also, there's different programs, so if you would feel more comfortable with somebody from the park that's kind of helping you through the experiment, experience, you can also do it that way, and they'll help you cook over the fire and set up your tent and things like that. So that's a really cool and kind of unique opportunity. Mm -hmm. I don't know that all state parks do that. That's really but. cool, yeah. 
Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Turtle Talks. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here so our, our guests here can go and play outside in the wonderful snow. If you have any questions, please let us know. Uh, you can contact us at info at happydancingturtle.org. And we're looking for topic ideas. If there's if you have a question, if there's anything you want to learn about, um, if you have an idea for a great guest that is either in the Pine River area or able to call in, um, let us know. We want to hear from you. We, we accept uh, all topics concerning gardening, outdoors, nature, cooking. We want you guys to hear about it. So yeah, let us know. Also, if you want any more information on the programs that HDT does have planned for this year, you can always go to our website. And then again, our main event is Back to Basics. It's February 2nd. Uh, up here in Pine River back is high school workshops are still open and there is a huge vendor fair that is free to the public just come on by we uh, it's gonna be a great time that's it this is Colin Allison Nora and Michelle thank you so much for tuning in and have a great day thanks for listening you're only looking for one thing you want to steal my heart from me